Welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. Hey everybody, Tej here. Well, obviously you knew that it's called Tej Talks. Why, why did I say that? Anyways, today's podcast is with Mike, Michael Calisparis. His story is so interesting and his, his why, you know, why he's doing property, why he's in business is so, so powerful that I really think, you know, a lot of people are going to sort of resonate and, and kind of relate to his reason. And it also shows, you know, the more powerful your why, potentially the more powerful your results are. Um, his annual net income is £90,000. That's pretty good, huh? Um, and he raised £347,000 in less than an hour through crowdfunding. So we've got some pretty fantastic figures here. He only has five properties in his portfolio, yet it's generating 90k a year profit. Now, you know, you don't need 100 buy-to-lets. You don't need 30 HMOs, potentially. You, you know, can go for some of the bigger projects and just less of them, right? All depends on what you want and how you want to get there. Uh, But he talks about how you can best raise money from crowdfunding and actually how he enjoyed the process. And it was actually quite straightforward. Um, He also talks to some of his deals. A lot of them were commercial conversions where often got quite a bit of money out um, and, and the education that he took to kind of get there. So this one is is quite nice because also he is very realistic and he talks about the challenges and the pros and cons of property. So it's nice to hear from someone who is very successful in, you know, about well, within two years, but who also says, actually, Ted, hold on. Let's talk about all of these things that make it realistic and make it difficult. So here we go. Mike, welcome to the Ted Talks podcast. Thank you for having me, Ted. It's it's you know what it's funny because I think we've been connected on Facebook for a little while and I've seen I've seen some of your stuff and then I I um I noticed you on the Inside Property Investment podcast which is another good podcast um and your story was like so interesting with the kind of accidental landlord the squatters in your home and then obviously the kind of family event and then you know the kind of money that you're making and the kind of GDV you have is is amazing and using crowdfunding as well is something that I think a lot of people look at and and it looks like a dark art and you think, oh, is my project really going to work on that? But, you know, you made it work. So I think today we have a really interesting podcast for the listeners, which is going to cover quite a few different topics. So before you got into property, what what were you working as? What were you doing? So I actually used to work at the BBC as a a designer uh, working on websites ranging from Teletubbies to um, Crime Watch. You know what uh, a range you have there, Teletubbies <laughs> to Crime Watch. Wow! It was a it was an area. The the department I worked for was a, a department called Factual and, and Learning, um, and it really did sort of cover those those areas. So yeah, it was it was really interesting. They actually they eventually sort of like, I think they got rid of that department, and now uh, there's other departments that under a different name. But yeah, it was really good. There's some great people. My boss back then, Charlotte, was was amazing, and um, she was actually. Um, pretty much integral to my career moves because I, I I originally was at university, De Montfort University, um, doing multimedia design. So I covered things from 3D to websites to, you know, it's like it's a hot, it's such a medium, a, a vast medium of of of, um, of areas that we covered. But, um, and we, a few of us got asked to present our stuff at, um, at an exhibition in London. And that's where I met my boss who headhunted me there, which is quite nice. Um, 
but yeah, and then then and then I eventually moved from the BBC, um, moved up, wanted to set up on my own, my own business. So I started doing freelance design. I just I don't know what it was. London was great, but I just I just wanted to sort of get out of the cement <laughs> and it, yeah, it was it was crazy but you know it's like typical wherever you are because I live in in a countryside uh, and then I can't wait to leave the countryside you know it's typical you know young child wanting to sort of like you know escape their roots as such and then realize actually their roots were quite nice <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah that's that's pretty much how it started and um and yeah, I, I um, think sort of changed uh, a few years after that. Um, but yeah, as, as we'll probably get to. <laughs> mm, and then so, you know, did you enjoy being a designer? Oh, I love being a designer. Even now, people people like, you know, you probably see me on, on, on certain people's, uh, you know, posts, you know, like Rob Moore's and that and other people's. And there's like, you know, what do you think to this? e-book e- e- cover or book cover whatever it may be and I'll, I'll just throw something out there just because i can't help myself you know i mean <laughs> I just, you know, my good friend gordon i like you know just throw stuff out there you know just because i, I, I just can't help myself um i still do it still do it um uh, you know and uh, we're, we're launching a a really great um collaboration uh co- company called just an idea and it's for entrepreneurs um, who have an idea basically and it's putting into service marketing print uh, the whole lot the whole shebang all in one um uh, design everything um and it's to help people really sort of launch their their ideas basically um and so you know where i used to do this sort of stuff as a one-man band uh we're doing it as a bit of a, a nice group together wow and then so what what made you think oh hold on I, i'm loving being a designer but i should get into property and look at passive income what what made that all change um strangely enough uh you know i was of the generation when we had like homes under the hammer and you know location location and all that kind of thing so it was always an interest um which is why i invested when i was in london so my first house i bought was on the on the outskirts of leytonstone um and um and then as you mentioned previously that uh you know that was my first experience of, of owning a property and it was expensive then which was like you know um nothing now <laughs> it's crazy um, but but i uh I, I rented it out to apparently these professionals that used to work for lloyd's bank apparently it was all lies um all vetted by proper central uh, uh estate agents um and um and cut long story short they ended up squatting um and and burning putting creating fires on the carpet and kicking in doors and they just trashed this wholly newly refurbished place that I lived in. And when I left London, I decided to rent out. It made sense. I, I knew the whole point and concept of creating assets even back then. But I didn't plan to be a landlord. Uh, it was just that that was my property that I lived in. Um, and then that just put me off. And it threw me off because I just thought, sod it, I'm going to sell it. And I sold it. I was a, I was a tired landlord, as they say. And I, I was just tired of that pain of like, you know, you know, when are they going to pay? How are we going to get them out? All that back and forth stuff was just depressing. Eventually, once we got them out, it was a matter of just selling it as it was with with it being slightly trashed, even after spending quite a bit of money on it. But I still, even then, this goes to show how quick the market was growing. Even then, I still made about 40k net uh, profit on that. So mm. that, that, that was pretty good. But um, what it's worth now is like, you know, 700% more. You know, it's crazy. Because <laughs> they did the Olympics, didn't they? They mm. moved- 
Olympics near there. So it just went flying up in price. So yeah, regrets, but at the same time, you can't regret what you don't know, you know? Mm. And at the time, that was the right decision for me. Yeah. Okay. And then, so you you had that experience it wasn't so good you're still working as a designer then what then pushed you back into it to say oh actually i quite like property i want to do it let me do it do it properly yeah i mean i've never seen myself as someone that wanted to create a portfolio of properties and so on and i've I've also kept it low i've not massively gone and you know got like you know hundreds of properties and you know i just i just kept it low because my goal has always been and i don't want to be trapped within the business you know my goal has always been to get some form of financial freedom so i could be with my son um and the you know the the reason why i say my son i mean my family but my son's a core one because um he he was made severely disabled um through negligence um and uh, left blind, deaf with spastic cerebral palsy, no no control of his body, and uh, pretty much with just taste left. Um, and uh, that really blew because he was born healthy. That's that's what really threw us back. Um, it was really, you know, depressing. It sent us into both of us, my wife and myself, into um, you know deep depression. Um, and it, it, it was a horrible point to be in, you know. And at that point, you know, you got to bear in mind. Imagine. You know, you got a normal life. You, you see people out on the street occasionally that might be disabled. You think, oh, poor them, but you don't ever think it'll happen to you. And that was us. Um, you never imagine this stuff happening. And, uh, you know, the reality kicked in when I'm in hospital and I'm getting bills coming in and we're stuck in hospital because we practically lived there for a few months. And then even since those few months, it's like constant appointments. And then there's, you know, we had to do operations and so on. So once you're doing all this stuff, you just can't. And also barely any sleep. You know, back then it was a couple of hours of sleep a night. Now, even now, it's about four or five hours, which has become normal to us. Um, so when I see these people say, hey, are you doing these challenges to wake up nice and early at four or five o'clock? Five, five, you know, I just think, well, I'm doing that anyway. <laughs> um, but I do it because my body tells me and it comes naturally. Um, but it's not through choice. Through choice, I'd actually love to have a really nice, but it's become the norm, so I'm used to it. Um, but anyway, uh the reality was that uh, I had to do something. Um, I was getting sort of, I was trapped in my situation um, and I couldn't work. And I used to help my brother out in his shop. And even that I couldn't do, you know, that was difficult to to do because obviously exhaustion and we didn't have carers. Initially, we didn't have no carers. Even now we struggle because unfortunately life without doing the violins, you are dependent on people to be with your son at night because it's 24 hour care. So you can get those few hours sleep, you know, um, and that's quite hard to understand where people kind of like say, oh, they've switched off from work and they can go home and relax. Well, strangely, our home is work because we're employing people here, you know, um, and, you know, their problems become your problems. Oh, they split with a boyfriend. They're not coming in. They're upset. That's your problem. Um, so, you know, your plans to do your own thing today are out the window. You know, that's the reality of it. Um, or Christmas time, holidays, they're all sort of thrown, you know, massive curveballs. Uh, there's no straight, easy path. Um, but, you know, that is what it is. And, and you know, this is the way it's, it was intended to be for whatever reason, you know. And here we are. And I, I am thankful and I love my son to bits. And he is amazing. And he's taught me so many huge lessons in life. Um that I, 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 I owe him everything. You know, he's given me this extra fire and this extra 
resilience that I never had before. I can't, I can't even explain it. I don't know if it's even conveying to you, but he really gives me this extra strength. And that, that, as they say in a lot of these courses and mindset things that they talk about online, it's like, you know, you've got to have your reason why. And that was my reason why, basically. Wow. No, absolutely. And I think, you know, when you have a reason why like that, it's, it's so powerful and it's so much bigger and more meaningful than just, oh, I want passive income or, oh, I want a nice house. It's actually, you know, doing it for your son, doing it for your family, for people you love. And that's, that's the kind of drive that, you know, really will push people to, to do amazing things. And, and you clearly have. So, you know, I guess kind of following that, did you sort of say I'm going gung-ho into property or did you sign up for any education or how did you kind of make that transition step to kind of getting out of the kind of difficulty you had in the mindset to kind of get into property yeah um I I knew realistically in my life with everything going on I needed some form of peer peers around me and the reason why I needed that is because it's hard anyway and when things are hard anyway, you don't have sleep and doing the most natural, and very normal thing for many people can be very difficult. So to add an additional stress of property investing, as we know, it's, it's not straightforward. Um, it, I knew I needed people to be in a network connected within networks. So I went to, you know, pin networks and PPN networks and met some amazing people and really good friends and mentors as well. Um, and, and literally, you know, I, I, um, I signed up to the one that was nearest me, which was, um, which was Samazuchi's mastermind, um, which was really, which was really, really good. Actually, it was a good mastermind, year long mastermind, um, also signed up to some, from some, um, courses from Rob as well, which are also awesome. Cause I think right, Rob's podcasts and his books and everything are, are amazing. Rob Moore, this is. Um, so there's been, there's been some really great learn, learn, uh, lessons learned from um, some really great mentors, but I knew I had to be in a network, um, and and that's what I did. I was a little bit sort of lost at the beginning because I didn't know where I was going. So I, I you know I signed up to a couple of courses here and there. One of them was speaking, met some really great people there in in, in, in progressive, um, and. You know, it, 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 it's just me finding myself. I knew I had to do something that was somewhat, um, I hate to use the word passive, but, you know, something you could work for from your home, from your computer, which was a little bit more uh, passive than what I would have had before and with the situation I've got. So, yeah, um, that's where that's the sort of route I took. I completed the mastermind. I got my goals that I needed. It, it was stressful. I'm not going to lie massively stressful we have major major headaches um but like you know when i speak to people it's just this is the norm and it's just quite scary how normal it is but um i've got to be honest with you coming into the into the educational side of things i i did really sort of the other day i was in cuckoo land i think thinking it'll be straightforward um but i truly believe that uh the lessons that you learn really do make you um, but yeah, it was it was a really great experience, and um, I, you know I loved it. And having that network around me uh, was important. Seeing other people struggle and win was important. Not the you know high five you know BS stuff that you see a lot. Um, it was really good to see that. Um, wow. Yeah. And then, you know, when when you kind of 
signed up for this course, were you working, were you still kind of doing design work on a contract basis or were you kind of saying, nope, I'm full-time property now? Uh, I did pretty much just completely, pretty much stop. I mean, there was bits and things of slipping through, but I had a print business called Arctic Signs, um, which was building momentum actually. But I bought, again, I'll go, I'm sort of person that goes all out. I bought a CNC machines, printer machines, embroidery machines, and I, and I was the I was the everything in it. I was a designer. I was a salesman. I was the the, the operator of all the machines. I learned I learned the whole art of garment printing you know, sign making, car wraps. I was doing the lot myself. <laughs> wow, that's a big uh, range. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm quite good at that sort of stuff, learning that kind of stuff. But I was also that part of that business because it, it was a, you know, it was a very much a, a full business. Um, it provided, um, you know, provided marketing as well. Um, and then when I when I kind of realized, look, I can't do this. It's killing me. It really is killing me. I was just like, and because and I've got such a good heart without being big headed saying it, <laughs> kind of a, it's actually a flaw. And the people that I know that know me well, like my mentors know it's a flaw, is that I give away too much too too easily. Um, something uh, I, I'm massively learning now um, that, you know, to, you, to be truly appreciated, you've got to really you've got to expect fair exchange you know as simple as that yeah and um, it's funny if rob moore heard you saying that you were doing every aspect of the business he would have told you to leverage it and outsource it so that's um, that's an interesting one the inspiration rob rob moore was um the inspiration on that and i actually bought his books you know life leverage and and and, and all the other ones the money one that's fantastic as well got that one and it, it, he was you know that is exactly it um Ironically, we're going full circle with this this new launch, which just called just an idea, but bringing in um, separate companies with, with, with together and joining forces. Um, so yeah, I'm joining forces with two great guys um, to 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 build that um, to basically to help people because we we know how many people are trying to start stuff up and they struggle, and yet we were just chatting and we were saying like the amount of times that. Um, people are just doing it we can see they're kind of doing it the wrong way you know and we've all we've all learned ourselves we've done things ourselves the wrong way and to have like a a, you know an opportunity where they they can just launch their idea and you know we can help them get there is 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 something i feel you know because we do like to help people um it really isn't about money but the problem comes when you help people too much um and i've had it even this week where people phone you up and they ask you some questions. Some of them, you know, fair, fair enough, they might be in their new. Some of them are just really sort of like really basic stuff. But sometimes I'm too polite to say, look, I'm busy. I've got my time now. <laughs> and, 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 and you have to make that, that cut sometimes. Yeah, and it's so hard because if you're like, you don't want to upset anyone. It's so hard to just, but you realize the more, the more you do, the more, the more successful you get, the more, you know, the more people want your time. And the problem is, the time is precious and it's even more precious when I've got, I'm doing this for my son and I, I did it. My son's deemed life limited. That makes my time extremely precious, but I still don't want to give up and I still want to help, but I've just got to be a little bit more choosy on when I answer that phone. Yeah. Know? And I think and, that that links to marketing and it also links to the videos you started called Mic Drops, um, which I'm sure you'll start again. And now you're accountable. I've said it to everyone listening. <laughs> I told you I'd get you. Um, because, you know, when you do a video or a podcast like this, you know, you're kind of helping hundreds, thousands of people at, you know, one time with one piece of content. It makes it a lot easier to help these people who are asking you basic questions by just chucking in a video 
when they ask you say hey i've got a video on it check it out and that way you know it kind of frees up your time and, and rob again you know as an example is great at this any any social media influencer is is fantastic at this so moving away from from that which is a very noble cause indeed what what was your first property project or purchase actually the very first one was one here in worcester um that was um it wasn't the best but i knew i wanted to act quickly um and keep the momentum going i knew once i did it then i feel a little bit more comfortable so the very first one was one uh that was already a hmo a five bed hmo um and the the landlord the or the owner um was ready to sell because he had other ambitions to to do other stuff and he needed to get the money quick basically um and and the only way because of the timing of you know by the time the solicitors dealt you know got the purchase all sorted and so on and the, the sale of it all sorted uh the only way i would agree to it would be if he did um because it needed some work if he if he completed like the refurbs with new kitchen new ensuite uh and, and and you know he even included the modern furniture which was awesome so that was a, a quite a good a, a big hit uh win um and also uh organized the actual uh contract with the university at the time i've taken it off the university now uh, as management so the university would have actually um sort of like managed it with tenants already in place so we, we so we, it was literally like you know uh, the whole setup all nicely set up you know i got a discount of it for i think it was something like 15 it's just about fifteen thousand pounds um so it was it was below market value but it wasn't anything like money out and all that kind of thing it suited me nicely because i wanted to put money in there so I could have cash flow because I was out of the business, which made sense to have cash flow and money in there. So you could, you know, you 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 look liquid. You don't look like, you know, you can't start investing. So it was a good first project to have tenants in place, furnished, all refurbished, you know, everything all in place and getting a discount. So it was kind of a good, you know, it was a good first project. Mm. Yeah. And did you refinance your house to get the... The money for yeah, yeah, yeah. I refinanced my house. Um, I, I think from for me, I, I I haven't done the rent to rent option. I don't fully um at that time anyway. I don't fully. I didn't really fully uh, see it as a route for, forward for myself. Um, there's always this fear of like you know they want their properties back and all this kind of stuff. Um, I know many people smashing it in rent to rent, and and I know lots of people that get these deals and they get these deals and they're doing loads of them because. They are rent to rent. They could do like 20, 30, 40, 50, whatever they want in a year. But I wanted tangible assets. So I remortgaged my house um, and I put the deposits down um, yeah, to move forward. And and then also got crowdfunding and, and so on. And and, and and one of my properties, I've got a, a, a JV on it, um, uh, David, who is a great guy. And um, and on that one, we've got you know all money out on that one as well. So he's, he's very happy as a, as a partner. Wow. Yeah. So let's let's zoom out on your portfolio before I kind of go back into it. What what does it look like? Yeah, I mean it's not a massive portfolio. It's it's five uh, uh five properties basically in total. Um and it's uh, it, it three of them were commercial to residential and they make up 15 units in one one slot there. Then we've got another seven bed uh which we're refinancing now we've got the values and they're all happy with that 
that's the one with David, which uh, which should be an all money out on. They're doing it at seventy percent LTV, um, uh, which we could have got more money back into our pockets actually if they did a seventy five percent. But Shawbrook at the minute are just uh, been a bit they're, they're sticking to the seventy percent. So we're going with that. That's cool reverse, you know, seventy percent less leveraged is always good. More cash flow to us. Um, and yeah, we've got we've got um, really great numbers on that as well. Um, the property that I call Spartan House, I dedicated to my son, was my second property that I took took on, which was a offices to residential conversion. And it, it, you know, it was a two two properties, and one of them was split into two, so upstairs and downstairs with individual entrances. Um, and and they, you know, that well, that was a that was a slog that deal was you know um that was a real slog um the great project um you know but things like uh the warranty company went bust you know things you can't control uh the warranty company went bust um alpha insurance and uh that really really you know hit me quite hard because it's like you can't refinance without having a warranty company in place everything you went um builders were, weren't weren't the best in my opinion the communication side uh, with them, they were just taking on other projects and leaving me in the lurch, not really great at communication. Um, yeah, but you live and learn and you, uh, you know, I, I'll be honest with you, the one thing I learned from this was there's actually a lot of power in uh, multiple smaller projects rather than doing the big ones. The big ones were, were like there because I had a real ambition for my son to get somewhere quite quick, yeah? Um, uh, but the reality is it was a slog on my health, you know, um, I was a lot of stresses whilst, you know, going through my own home, you know, it's issues at home, you know? Uh, so the realities of these things is like, if there's a balance, so you're trying to do this stuff to really get financial freedom and try and be there with your family. Um, and at the same time, this kind of stuff can kill you. Uh, you know, I mean, this is the reality of you know, this is, it can be very stressful stuff, stuff that you can't control, market changes can happen and so on. Um, you just, this, so, you know, all this high five stuff and all that, it's really great being positive and it's really important to be there because it's too easy to be negative. Um, but, uh, you know, it's really refreshing to see a lot of my mentors and it just proves to me that, you know, I've gone with the right mentors compared to some others I've seen that they're, they're, they're very honest and they're saying, look, property is not an easy game. Um, you, you know, even though they've got their own trolls, you know, but um, they're very honest and they state, say it, state it as it is. Um, and it's just nice to see, you know, some integrity out there, you know, with with, with these mentors. And uh, and uh, and for me, you know, having gone through it and, and speaking to actually, you know, 99.99% of investors, they've gone through it as well. They've gone through the same stuff. It's just a lot of them don't want to say. I, I kind of don't give a S. You know, I, I really don't care. Um, I put it out there. I'm very honest and I don't care to create and portray an image. You know, mm. I, I, I'm just me. And if be, that's that's what I want to be because people want to attract to me. They can attract to me. And, you know, you know, I do marketing as well. And as you know, it's like that's attraction marketing at the end of the day. And I don't want people to be attracted to me if they're not attracted to me, literally. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that that's a great point because yeah, we we should be positive and look on the bright side of things, but also with the realism that it's going to be hard, it's going to be tough, 
things are going to go wrong. Anything that will go wrong, you know, probably will. Um, but it's about, you know, perceiving them and approaching them with solutions, not problems and not kind of getting emotive about them, but solving them and kind of fixing them, but still being positive with it. And I think, you know, it's good you've said that because, you know, courses and the internet can make property seem kind of really easy, really straightforward, but there's so many minute details that, you know, you've been through that, you know, we wouldn't, like anyone who's new in property or even those with experience wouldn't necessarily think about. They'd think, oh, it's just all part of it, blah, blah, blah. And when it gets down to it, you've got these five details that, you know, are potentially going wrong. So so I'm glad you've you've said that. So, you know, you talked about the hard work and the challenges. Now, if we again still just stay zoomed out on this portfolio of five properties, how much does that bring in a year in terms of like profit in your pocket? It's about 90k, I think, thereabouts. Yeah. So that's, yeah. you know, for a lot of people, that's way more than financial freedom. That's financial well I want to say happiness but it's financial contentment and it's yeah. it's kind of enough to live a good life so and yeah it's good it's good but I mean like I say let's um, scratch the record back and be straight up there's extra costs in the initial first year or, or two um, and I've always been um, what's the word in business I, I know um, from launching businesses in my life that the reality is the overall picture of your business over three to five years. Um, and that comes down to voids and so on. So these things really are projected numbers. There could even be more than that. But the point is, you know, you just don't know what's going to happen. I mean, there's been circumstances. Again, I mean, I, I want to give myself a massive high five. Great, I've done well, brilliant. But the reality is, you know, there are instances where people build properties and then some, you know, 700 bed, you know, a studio flat gets built right opposite them or something like that you know this is the reality of the world that we live in um and then their 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 you know their voids start increasing and so on um but there are but there are, but yeah it, it, it is good i am happy with it but there's um yeah i think i'll be happier once i start getting on the churn of it you know um Tej, it's you know that that whole kind of like it's running well got the right people running it you know got the right people in place um and uh and the, yeah yeah sort of sitting back a little bit but the reality is there's always a call boilers just broken <laughs> you know uh oh someone someone just pulled off the bloody handle off my window oh like, nice. how the hell does a handle just come off <laughs> it's just it, it just does not you just some of the stuff you can't make up and you know we all joke about it in different forums and that but it is actually quite fucking annoying isn't it you know when you just you know but in the grand scheme of things, the reality is, you know, the long-term uh, gain from this would be good. Um, I also believe that it's even better if you have them owned, you know, and that'd be a very long time gain, you know. Um, and, and so this is the thing where we make financial freedom in such a short period of time. It's at the expense of our, um, you know, they call it good debt, don't they? Uh, where you're using banks and so on. And we're at their mercy, you know, rugs can be pulled from below us and we're at their mercy in many many ways so I, I, I like to be not a pessimist that people might assume i like to be a realist um so yeah it's it's all good until it's good <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. let's let's frame that even more so how long did it take you to go from zero passive in air quotes income to 90k and how much of your own money have you put in to get to this number okay so 
I actually, it took me to get the deals and, and over the line with the deals, but not actually uh, one or two of the deals took the development time, but it took me within 10 months actually to do that. Um, but then the, the actual projects had to take place, if you know what I mean. So sealing the deals, getting the deals done, um, it took me 10 months. I could have actually got within my training, I could have got um, to financial freedom at about 50K within four months because uh and then i had this massive this is why i'm a realist had this massive chain reaction of a breakdown of a few deals literally it was a chain reaction it was like it was the one i thought okay that's take that on the chin and then the other one fell down and it was just like what the hell and i i, I had money gone and lost in 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 solicitor's fees there um and and so the point is you know I, you know, like I say, these th things can change in life. It's good while it's good. Just like my life was before my son was made disabled. It's good while it's good. Never, never, just don't, don't expect things to be straightforward. I know people say, oh, you create your life by thinking positive and all this kind of thing. I, I get that. I get that. It's all good. But like I say, it's important to realize that, you know, we're not, we're not, we're, we're not owed anything in life and no one's promised us a, a straightforward path and it's really important for us to realize that we've got to carve every last inch of it and so that means there's going to be some issues you know there's going to be some hard parts to carve you know um so yeah until until you know till i'm almost on my deathbed mate and my kids have got a nice legacy and i see you know that i've done help my son you know like i say to people all the time if i could if i could buy that amazing Iron Man suit that can give him the freedom to move and it might cost millions of pounds or whatever it be in the future, you know, if I can do that and I feel like, you know, I've, I've really accomplished something then, yeah, but it doesn't mean much to me at the moment, you know, this is limited company stuff, it's not like, you know, in my own name you can pull out money as easy as you like and all those kind of things, this is a, this is, um, you know, it's realities in this, you know, and reality costs so yeah, all great and great, I mean compared to where I was, brilliant you know, um but I want I want the listeners to hear this, you know. I don't want to cross over anything, you know. No, for sure. And then how much of your own money did you put in to get to this net income of ninety K? Okay, so it must be I think about I'm just trying to think now, thirty forty probably about hundred and twenty. So yeah. you've put in hundred and twenty K and you're gonna make that back within a year and a couple of months. Now that's you know, again, and, and that's realistic, uh, you know, as well as everything else you've said, there is that kind of element of, wow, that's a pretty huge ROI. So how, how do you, in general, manage and attract sort of finance? Like, how have you managed to work on these projects, which I want to speak about in a second, but like, what's your, do you get investors? I know you did a bit of crowdfunding. Like, how do you work with the money? Yeah, we, we did uh, we did crowdfunding where we, we, we uh, got, well, I say we, I got 347,000, I think it was within 47 minutes, um, or 40 odd minutes thereabouts with crowdfunding. And that helped me uh, invest in the property that was the conversion, a commercial to residential conversion. And um, and so, yeah, that, that was that was that part. Um, and the other property uh, that I, I sourced, this was a really, really took a long time. This is your typical sort of like follow up, follow up, follow up. It will come back. Um, the deal that I'm doing with my partner David. Um, well, that was uh, something that uh, that that uh, we got 
uh, and he's put deposit, he's put some money in as well. Um, I wasn't initially going to put money in, but as we changed the project, um, it was like me finding the, the deal and so on. I ended up putting in um, my own funds in too, as well, to just boost the project, get get to an even more uh, better finish, because we were going to not put on suites in, then we decided we'll put on suites in. So we, we knew the budget would go up and, and although I knew it would be a really great investment, um, I didn't expect it to be such a good investment because it's, uh, you know, it was it, it exceeded even my expectations, to be honest with you. And so talk to me about that that project that exceeded your expectations. What were the kind of like purchase price and refurb on that and, and what, what, what did it become? Yeah, uh, just an example. It was, uh, well, we, we, we eventually, I'll say eventually, took some time. Uh, we secured it at 185 in an Article 4 area in Worcester. Um, and this property is absolutely huge. I mean, the majority of the rooms are like 15 square meters. Um, I mean, I say the majority because one of them is like 12 square meters, which, you know, in theory, could have done more than bloody seven bedrooms. It was classed as a six bedroom HMO. Um, originally but it was actually really worn down and we had to move a few things about and um but not much uh but we still went back to brick pretty much in 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 many of the many of the rooms and recreated um en suites in every room and they had these old-fashioned sort of like uh sinks and in the bedrooms and that um and there was a, a very old leak constantly leaking and um mid project uh we uh well the builder basically had his own problems we don't know what you know what the hell they were but there were problems we ended up basically becoming builders ourselves again these are the realities to it um and i was you know cutting out floorboards and floors of you know big beams uh, of wood um and and spraying the property with like woodworm and stuff like this you know it's just uh it's crazy we were just um, painting it just never seemed to stop literally so it was it was a hard slog, um, and I guess because it was a hard slog, it it, it sort of um, it, it kind of it put in my head that this is a uh, you know this is not going to be as good as we wanted it to be and all this kind of thing. There's a little bit of, of a negative thought on this because I I felt the pain of the project if you know what I mean. Um, uh, but the but the values that came in were amazing. Um, they valued it at 400k. We bought it for 185. Uh, refurb was just over 70k from memory. So um, it's 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 been pretty damn awesome. Um, so you know you do the numbers there. It's pretty good. Um, we've got 70% LTV. Uh, I'm, I remember I got the value record walking around and goes, this is phenomenal. <laughs> you know, like, amazing. I'm thinking it's not all that. My God, like, I'm looking at the floorboards, uh, the, the skirting boards where you know we didn't replace because it would have been too much of a pain, uh, like round the staircase, and you know they're just they're layered with like layered of 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 paint where you can see ripples in it and stuff like that. And I'm thinking this is this needs doing. I'm like I'm thinking perfectionist and, and this kind of thing. And and this guy's like absolutely loving the place. And and when I stuck back and think about it, and I realised you know you're in the city centre and you know, we carved out an extra space to get more because of three parking spaces now. Um, and the way we've done it, the way we thought about it, I think we really worked well as a team because we really, we really went through many different designs and using our skill sets, we, we kind of utilized that to get the most out of the project. Um, and one of the areas was like, you know, we had like a cellar, for instance, and we carved um, 
a design that would uh, literally sort of like utilize the entrance to the cellar, but we made another way to get into the cellar. So, you know, imagine stairs going down to the cellar that became a, a potential area um, for um, a shower ensuite area. So boarding that over that and so on made, um, you know, the rooms even bigger. We just didn't want to take away from rooms, basically. We wanted to keep the rooms nice and big. And like I said, we could have been greedy. We could have gone a bit further than that. I personally think we wouldn't have got the uh, the planning um uh, I, I just think you know uh, it was we went for planning for seven bed we got sweet sweet generous um and we got the numbers that we wanted and that that worked out really good and yeah again lessons learned one thing i've learned is with trades um is that you know they'll promise you the world and deliver half of it you know um and there are some good good ones out there but you've got to be prepared to get dirty yourself um in my experience that's what's happened um and that even if it's management and so on where you think they, they you know they claim they can help run it and manage their team it's not always the case i was absolutely massively stressed whilst that was going on i had the spartan house project and like literally everything was going wrong there you know uh we had all sorts of issues you know what i mean it was just one of those things and it, and there was there were so many little things that just you know it was just a lot of stress at the wrong time honestly <laughs> and, it was, yeah and that's you know that's a fantastic deal and you know a couple of deals like that which you know you've done can give you you know can give people what they want from property which is that kind of freedom but then how do you find all of these deals um i've i've, I've done them myself one of them was through a friend actually who actually does sourcing she's she does a bit of investment herself uh and uh but no all the other ones were like my just me me alone you know just um you know what you learn and and and, and just using a bit of common sense i mean was it through agents that, or was it direct that, to vendor or no that was actually that was um that was direct to vendor but then went to agent which was a bit weird because he was a bit he was it was he was had a partner with an older guy and he was old himself but this other guy was really bad they, we we gave them the opportunity to give them give us their price, and they came in at one nine five. And um, and cut a long story short, it was worth two sixty even in a state in this part part because of the size of it, in my opinion. But they wanted one nine five, and actually, well, that's pretty much what the estate agents that he, they got to value it at. But I knew in my head that there's no way. But the, this had overgrowth at the front. You know the, the the kitchen was ridiculously small and and, and a really messy and untidy. But generally, the rooms you could see were big. It was you know wood chip wallpaper. It was cream. But generally, it was actually quite nice. You know, if you did that kitchen and made that kitchen a little bit bigger somehow, um, and uh, you, you could have we could have actually done could have got good numbers on it, even just doing a minimal a bit of work, not putting on sweets in and stuff like that. We could have got good numbers on it, spending 30 grand maximum on it. But um, we knew the real the real benefit would be, you know, going a bit further. Um, and so, you know, he, they wanted 195. And then when we did surveys and that, and they found woodworm and so on, we just basically haggled it down to 185 because we didn't know the extent of it, which was a good thing because, you know, we we did pull out the wood where they noted it and they said it's just in that area the experts did. But we did find it in other areas, which is why I ended up ripping out whole floors of kitchens and beams and spraying the whole thing. Um, so, yeah, so it was good. It was a really good price. But it's it's the, 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 the they always say, don't they, that the uh, the, 
the 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 wins that you get are always in the price that you buy them at the first at the, in the first instance but um other people claim no it's what how you add value well if you do both like this deal that's where you get the, the sort of like holy grail of, of deals in an article four and so on you know that's where they really become really interesting i mean it, this is like all money out deals not up north on a 40 grand property you know this is in you know a very you know affluent lots of hmo people uh experts in this 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 part of the world um so to get that deal and do it I, i'm really quite proud of it to be honest with you. it's a good one yeah Mm. And then, so talk to me about crowdfunding because it, you know, I, I've invested in it, but I've never sort of you well, I've never used it for a project, and I, I know people who are kind of considering it. But what are your, I don't know, your top tips for, you know, getting a project that will go on crowdfunding and be as successful as yours? Okay, top tips are, um, and this is what helped me. To be fair, is uh, I would say act fast get your all your ducks in one place so if you want to go on crowd make sure you've secured your property they won't look at anything that you haven't got fully secured if you've got something you kind of like and you're kind of looking at it and you're speaking to the landlord a little bit and you know you're kind of 99% sure they want it and they want you to do a deal with them but you haven't got the money and you kind of like you're waiting for this to sort of happen somehow they won't deal with it they want they want to know for certain that you've got you know control of that property um so that's really important i'd say speed of implementation is really really important so have you know everything you ha- you need for them and i would say the biggest thing that they really like to see uh, the most important thing that they like to see sorry is um they like to see the the values of what you're purchasing it at they like to see a contract and what the cost of the the um you know the the build costs are going to be and then they'll they'll cross reference that on their knowledge whether it's realistic um and they also want to see the gdv end book valuation of it and most people don't get that until they've done evaluation at the end but what they do is they ask you to get a red book rick surveyor in to give you an idea once you've presented to that rick surveyor how it's going to be um so they can do a bit of background um search on the area and 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 give that give an idea of the value of what in their opinion it's not a guarantee it's just an idea of the value of that property now once they've got those figures they can act pretty quickly and i think there's something like only 12 questions before they online on their on their portal um uh, that, that before they you know if they accept you or not so they've made it very simple um so that's 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 um, using debt equity, which is the most common um, form of crowdfunding. And there's the, oh, there's also um, you know uh, there's uh, other forms of crowdfunding as well that uh, other people use as well, which is um, you know they all they've all got their benefits, every single one of them. Um, but with this with crowd, I found them amazing. I found it ridiculously simple. Um, you know the, the rates weren't too bad. Um, they go they go lower once they get to know you. So I could I could use Crowd now if if I had a project coming in now, um, you know, and I wanted to use Crowd with it, or someone wanted to work with me and we want to use Crowd, they would work with me with Crowd um, because I'm you know they they, they trust me now. Um, I delivered on time. Just I got to say, loads of delays. Um, hence, the, you know, uh, it was stressful. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, the. The process, honestly, Ted, was really, really good. I find them. I mean, there's a guy called Andrew Hall who who, who I, I dealt with a lot, and he's um he's like one of the main guys in in crowd in crowd property, and uh, he he was he was excellent from day one. 
um, right the way through. Um, really great guy, knows his stuff. He's an ex-Rick Surveyor as well. Or maybe maybe he's not ex, maybe he's still Rick Surveyor, I don't know. But he's an excellent guy, knows his stuff. Um, and, uh, and yeah, basically, I think three top tips I'd say. Make sure you've got your, your place secured. Make sure you've got an end GDV Rick's Surveyor value on it. And, you know, you could document and prove that. And I'd say, number three, make sure you can act quickly as in with the, you know, um, with the actual, you know, the actual owner of the land or the property that you're seeking to get funds for. Uh, that's really, really important. Obviously, they, they like planning and stuff like that in place and, you know, or, you know, uh, guarantees of, of, of you absolutely doing it because they can't obviously fund on something that can't be done, if you know what I mean. But, yeah, those are, that's what I'd definitely say as, as an experience. Awesome. Loved it. Really, really good. Stressful, but really good. I couldn't have done it without them. You know, I couldn't have, I couldn't have gone up that extra level to that to a bigger project without them unless I started looking at investors. And back then I wasn't really looking at investors. You know, I was just being Michael using his funds from his home, um, you know, and then regurgitating them back out and using them into something else. Do you know what I mean? But nothing, nothing. Um, you know, and also there's always been a, a fear. I mean, I've seen people smashing it and they're getting lots of funding. I've been offered loads of, on, with no exaggeration, I've had lots of people wanting to work with me, um, and they've got funds and so on. Um, you know, and I will, I will look into. I think 2019, 2020, I will start looking into that now. Um, but back then, I wanted to just establish my own, my own, you know, my own, um, uh, my own legacy initially. You know, um, that's the main thing. So yeah. yeah. Got one JV at the moment. That's it. Mm. Well, some great tips there for anyone who is considering crowdfunding or, or wondering what you need to do to to be successful at it. Now, wh- one more dose of reality, and I think we touched on this before. How passive is property as an asset in your experience? And I know you could talk for hours on this, but give us the um, abridged version. Um, it is passive. It is. It is as passive as um, as it can passively be. <laughs> Um, the reality is that uh, you know things happen. There's so many variables within it. Um, you don't know what the market's going to happen, uh, so so you, you might you might have to change things, swap things up. Um, so you, you where you might have one strategy. Let's say for example, this hasn't happened to me, but let's just say you know you might be uh, having a single let, and the market's changed, section 24 or whatever maybe, um, Brexit, whatever, um, interest rates. You might need to change that to you know an hmo and then it becomes you know are you managing it yourself then it's less you know, passive if you've got someone else to manage it you know it can be a little bit more passive but then you still get the calls this is broken blah blah this is this that you need to sort this out you know um so you know it's not bad i, I think uh, my dad used to say years ago and he came from nothing my dad and he's worked really hard in his life and he used to say beggars can't be choosers and what he means by that is not being disrespectful is it just me it just means um that you know if you're dealt a bad hand you just got to deal with it and make it good and there's a there's a quote from jack london um uh, who who you know who pretty much says exactly the same thing and it is what no matter what kind of hand you get in cards you know you you, you got to make it a, a good a good game whatever you whatever you're doing and so you know if there's anything i'd say to anyone you know Passive or not passive, you know, if it's passive now, I can guarantee you at some point it won't be passive, you know, and you've had a, a kind of lucky street. Um, and 
you just don't know. I mean, some people are investing massively far from their homes. Um, I think personally, I wouldn't go from one end of the country to the other, like some people are doing. I would never do that. You know, um, I've invested maximum an hour from where I live. Um, but, you know, I can understand with people moving up to Manchester and so on and that, you know, for me personally, I, you know, I don't, I don't follow the crowd. I don't like to just rush up there. Like, you know, yeah, it's just not my thing. Um, yeah, people are going to make good money and so on. Um, but I also see other things that could potentially go wrong with that process. Um, they're just going straight up North, but you know, that's my opinion. Um, I, I think, you know, the Midlands is a really great spot to invest in. Um, and I, I think it's got, it's got a good balance in a lot of, a lot of areas, you know, employment's pretty damn good in the Midlands. Um, and you know, access routes aren't bad at all. You know, we are the sec second city, Birmingham at least, uh, even though, you know, people argue Manchester is, but Birmingham is classed as a second city uh, to, to uh, uh, second capital, sorry, to, to London. Um, but the reality is, you know, you just don't know is the truth of it, Ted. You just don't know. Um, things can change that can absolutely corrupt your passive lifestyle if you've got it. Um, I think the reality, if you can get there, then good for you. But I think the only way you can really get there, um, truly, is to not be owned by anyone. And what I mean by that is like not be owned by, you know, banks and so on. I truly think in this time of age, with the thing, with, you know, with the stuff going on with Brexit and so on, um, like in 2007, I think if people have got collateral, the best thing that they could do is really, truly, the best thing they can do, rather than have their money in the banks for it to be robbed, you know, uh, I, the best thing you can do is find really great partners and invest together. And what happens there, something magical, if they've got the right partners, and that's why it's important to be true to yourself and not BS or pretend to be some hot shot property guru that I'm not, you know, just be yourself and be honest because the people that want to work with you will work with you. But the best way to get through any hardships and to truly have some form of passive is just not be owned by anyone. And what I mean by that is like the banks pretty much. If you if you've got a partnership with someone that's putting money in onto a project and you put money in as well, like I've done with my JV, I've put money in as well. Um, you you both got an, uh, an invested interest in that, yeah. Uh, and and there's no legislation or, or things that can really pull the rug from underneath your, you know, you're just running it. You take the good times with the hard, you know. And it's just as far as I can see, there's not anything that could go wrong as long if, if you've got a nice relationship. Um, so I think that is the safest bet. I mean, people talk about what we do about Brexit, Brexit. I'd say get investing with the right people. You know, I definitely wouldn't leave it in the bank personally. I, I, it's just not what I would do. No. But yeah, some solid advice there for anyone who's sort of got money in the bank. Do something with it. We're saying. Um, yeah. Look what happened in Cyprus. They took sixty percent of people's savings. If you're mm. part of the EU, <laughs> it's just crazy. Oh, there we go then. Crazy. Nobody, nobody taking my savings, mate. Under my bed. <laughs> um, so, Mike, this this brings us to the um to the last set of questions on the podcast, which is the quick fire round. So, short, snappy answers just to give people that top level. So, I'm going to hit you with, what are your top three tips for people new in property? Okay, due diligence. Um, don't believe everything you see um and invest in a great mentor amazing um, and what are the biggest three mistakes that you've made in property 
Okay. Um, I didn't do enough due diligence on one particular saucer. Um, and that basically was a one up. And that was when I was trying to look up north, actually, up in Hull. Um, and the guy was totally corrupt and uh, lost my sourcing fee. I could have actually pushed that, but I was at a point when I had loads of other stuff going on. Um, totally, totally corrupt. And that's what I mean by due diligence. Really important people, you know. And I, I, bet, I bet you people know who I'm talking about just by saying the area hall. Uh, but I won't, I won't slander anyone. The point is, the it's really important. People starting out, they've got a big reason why, and they're, they're, they're that reason why, or you know, they want to get somewhere, um, can blur your judgment, you know. Um, and it's really important that people still use you know, common sense and, um, you know, just really work, work through, you know, finding the right deals and don't rush, you know, I know it's important to get them now. And I say speed is important, but also don't rush and let, you know, let that screw your, 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 your position. Okay. And then, um, what would be your favorite three books? Oh, right. It's gotta be the one thing. Number one, <laughs> I'll say my own book, My Little Spartan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice plug there. Very good. Yeah. yeah, My Little Spartan, my own book. <laughs> Unleash your inner Spartan. That's basically when you hit the crap. You get it. I'd say Life Leverage is a good one. Um, Life Leverage, I think that's a, a real big hit. Uh, and if I take my one out, I would actually say um, the uh, uh, oh, I forgot his name, Covey, uh, Seven Habits. Um, oh, yeah. Seven Habits yeah. of Highly Effective yeah, People. Yeah, that's the one, yeah. Kobe. yeah definitely interesting yeah. no that one and the one thing have been in my kind of wish list for a while mm. both actually, both paradox is really good because that actually that was that was that was me i was the you know i had that chimp on my shoulder <laughs> the chimp paradox is incredible it's one of my favorite yeah. books um it really helps to like personal per, personify and like humanize yes. your emotions into like an into something so yeah like look this has been a really good podcast i think people are are going to love the the realism and the the kind of realistic positivity that you bring which is that you know it is tough it is a challenge you're going to face things that you really don't want to but everyone should be a little spartan in these sort of things um and kind of push through all the stuff that comes through because the end result as you've also shown is is pretty nice um so yeah all that's left is for me to thank you for, for coming on the podcast mike I really appreciate you having me. Thank you, Tej. Really appreciate it. Thank you. You take care, buddy. If you like this podcast, connect with Tej on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube for more great content.